0: Most people that are successful are self-driven, like really self-driven. And you find your ways as to what self-driven means for you. And, you know, sometimes that's being very tenacious and aggressive. Sometimes that's just making sure that you guide yourself and navigate properly. But all of it is based around you. Only real content is going to last. All that other nonsense is here today
1: and gone tomorrow welcome everybody to another episode of navigating now a different podcast i am your humble host des cole joined as always by my co-host jay bartlett and on today's episode we are joined by an industrial design veteran who started by designing shoes at new balance to becoming the global design manager of the interior of corvettes for the last decade so now starting his own freelance design agency, all while being an adjunct professor teaching college students his craft. <laughs> and I'd like to say even outside of his work, uh, I'm personally excited to learn more about his journey. And he's a really cool guy, really down to earth. And so I'm excited to share that with you all. So without further ado, Navigating Now welcomes Brett Golov. Brett, how you doing, man?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you for the, the kind intro. Very, of very course. nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's uh it's always interesting when you hear stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, that's cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but thank you.
1: Yeah, everybody deserves their flowers, you know what I'm saying? But um we'll definitely get into all the stuff you've done in your professional journey and uh obviously you have a wealth of knowledge as we kind of talked. Kind of got into some conversation before the podcast, but before we get into all that, I want to start from the beginning and get a sense of what started that entire journey. So my first question is, how did your childhood environment, both where you grew up and who you grew up around, inform your interests and ambitions?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so I'm from what I consider to be a very small town in Indiana. I think the current population is like 7,800 roughly, and I'm sure it was smaller uh, as I was growing up. Uh, so what I find interesting about that is like, as I grew, most of my interests were very much like the urban side of things, right? And not so much like what my hometown had any of uh so I kind of probably grew up loving the exact opposite of what it was and in fact like my dad like he he farmed and did many other things and and stuff like that was much more it is much more blue collar in that sense and uh you know that just wasn't what I wanted to do um at a very young age uh I was really heavily into art uh and I think to some extent I may have taken that for granted uh kind of growing up uh because like as you mentioned like doing the professor i i have taught and and done the adjunct stuff at, at ccs which is where i ended up going to college as well and when i went there i had like this assumption that everybody had the amount of art experience that i did see i started taking private art lessons when i was three uh and by the time i was six and seven i was doing oil painting and then past that i was getting into sculpture and then by the time I got to high school, I was literally, we had an interesting high school setup uh, and I was kind of able to pick my own path of what I was going to take. And I mean, for the, basically from sophomore year on, I was taking, we had four classes a day and I was taking three of those were always during class. class. Uh, so by the time I went to CCS, man, I had had like, shit a a lifetime worth of you know i i promise you i had the 10,000 hours by then so to speak of like honing your craft in uh but in particular i i came in with with nearly 35 high school art credits and when i just assumed going to a place that was an art school especially an art school like that that has such a like a, a prestige to it uh that others were going to have the same level of experience, and that, that was not the case. It was actually what I quickly right. found out. Um, but to directly answer your question, no, uh, there wasn't a lot of people that were like me. I was always, uh, I was very blessed and very lucky that I had people that saw what I did, valued what I did, appreciated what I did, and knew that I was very much different than the rest of it, and helped me to find my way through um and and kind of pointed me in in the guidance of where i needed to go and showed me stuff i was i was also lucky at the same time like you know i started high school in 1999 i'd say realistically for the bulk of the population the internet was like 94 95 96 and uh thank god for that because i was able to find so much more and and guide my way through that it helped me find my i decided in seventh grade that i wanted to be a footwear designer and uh, basically, from the magazine sitting over there, and there's two magazines. But Slam's first issue of Kicks with KG on the cover of it, and then in particular, the issue that followed after that in the fall was uh, the 100% MJ issue. And uh, no, I'm sorry, it was the fall before that, the 100% MJ issue where they had an inter- interview with like Tinker Hatfield and David Bond and Howard White, and. Uh, that I was in seventh grade when that happened, and I, because of the internet, I kind of quickly figured out that it's like first name dot last name at company name, and uh, I just started emailing any like Nike name I could find, and you know Tinker Tinker responded, and the rest was kind of history. So that was, and it's a very condensed version of like some major highlights, but that was that was kind of my my youth in a, in a nutshell, so to speak.
1: Uh, that's, that's very interesting, though, like, I'm I'm curious, like, kind of taking it back to like, you said that you started art lessons at three. <laughs> did you have you ever like, did you talk to your parents, like, once you grew up and ask them, like, why they did that? Because obviously, I mean, it's not common. You probably didn't ask, <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, can I have a teacher? Oh. So like, did they see something in you? Or was it just they wanted you to be well rounded?
0: Do you it's know what their motivation it. was? Uh, it, it's interesting. No, I have not directly had this conversation with it, but I, I have my own theory. Um, so right now, I, I'm a dad, so I have a daughter. She's five. We are the same person. Like we, we hone in on things. We can't stop. We like if you. I don't know. It's it's hard right. being a parent. It's it can be hard in that sense. And when I'm excuse me, starting to figure out. I put that pencil and I put that paper or I put that paint in front of her. Like she's good. Like she's, she's content. Like that's where her, where she's at. She's got to go and create it. Personal feeling is they saw what did make me happy and what did make things click. And my mom and my grandfather, my grandfather is very, uh, her dad is very, uh, he had masters in teaching and other stuff like that. Uh, But he was also kind of, not necessarily on the fine art side of things but like he did drafting he did woodworking that's like what he taught and other things like that and right. they kind of had small resources around the area and they're like yo put him you know take him to this teacher take him to this art teacher and stuff like that and uh right. i mean it's not like i was being trained by by fucking da Vinci or something like that like i was i was doing it with like people that no, were, but but like, like you said Twitter like being able to get ten thousand hours
1: yeah being able to get that ten thousand dollars before you go even go to college is like is not really uh what a lot of people are allowed to do unless they really have the environment especially around them that allows them to hone that craft and and support that so that's really cool
0: it's it was interesting for me like being a father now and looking at, at my kids like i don't force anything on them i mean my son is older than my daughter he's he's kind of starting to figure out like i don't mean it this way because i don't look at myself as like a, a major person in this world or anything like that but mm. i am Google and you will find a lot of stuff on me and like he's starting to learn that there is like a bit of a presence to me and what or some accomplishments and some other pieces to that right but I don't put anything like that on it. Like he's phenomenal at drawing too. He's very creative, but he doesn't live off of it. It is not his driving force by any means. Uh, so I kind of let them navigate and in, in, in what it is. And as I look back on it, uh, there was clearly a hunger for all of it. There was clearly like a piece and I was lucky that my family appreciated enough to feed me. I know that it, it definitely intimidated them, especially coming from a small town like that, where like, yo, wealth is not abundant. Uh, Even the people that are probably prospering are not like prospering in the sense of what you would think of a metropolitan area. And when you look at it that way, you know, can he survive off this? Can he make a career? Like those type of questions always come in. But I also think that that's where my own drive was to kind of no, nah, I'm gonna like and the the other part that I had was like I I have a very rebellious like no nah, I'm gonna do what I need to do and you're gonna get the hell out of my way and I think those two things combined to help me to keep pushing it and prove that no nah, this will be a this will be the right life choice for me that will constantly provide for me.
1: Thanks, I would just like to uh also ask what were because you were honing your craft from such an early age and it was clear where your passions lied. What were the kind of uh just what were the other passions that were around design? Like what else were you passionate about? Maybe sports, music? Yeah, I mean
0: like I grew up in the true Michael Jordan era, right? Like and I think that influence on not only myself but America and the world was was undeniable. And when I say the Michael Jordan era, like, that's a, that's a culmination of many things. That's like right. hip hop. I mean, and realistically mm-hmm. black culture becoming like mainstream and and taking effect, which was something that I was always uh, very thankful for and very, um, I mean, it honed who I am to some extent, a, a lot of that stuff. Uh, I think another part that uh, kind of built around that idea, why I fell so deeply in love with so many various things is like, my parents divorced when I was relatively young and like I had probably more time to myself than, than is probably welcomed in today's generation. And uh, that allowed me to deep dive in a lot of these things to understand what was important about them and why they were becoming what they are. So Michael Jordan, hip hop in particular, which is how we, you know, started our little uh, in- intro previous, this uh, were so, so, so damn important to me um in later movies and other storytelling elements really became a major drive of how i think and how i pull things together Mm -hmm. um and then food 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 is even currently now is a very very important part of that journey and understanding uh I don't think I was educated enough or mature enough, I should say, to be able to put it all together as a, 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 a kid. But realistically, it's that connection of culture that brings a lot of people together. Like all of those things do it in some way, whether it's sports, whether it's food, whether it's music or anything like that. But it's that understanding of that, that drive that brings all these kind of dots together with something that still, still drives me to today, to be honest. All
1: right
2: so while you were going through your education like in that whole time you were growing up what did you think that your career would look like though when you were just kind of broadly studying art and like what did you think you would be doing if it wasn't design
0: there was nothing else um I'm like uh no I, I said I was gonna be a footwear designer and I was gonna do it and it was like Uh, I mean, I'll be real. I was lucky that, as I said, I was lucky that I had a handful of people that were really important to me. One of them being, she was was like second mom, I mean, her her name's Jeanette Meredith, but she was my high school art teacher. And uh, I was lucky in the sense, as I look back on, I always had like five to seven people at at different stages of my life that were able to be a part of something that wasn't what I was around all the time. So for instance, like her and her family, her husband was a, a leader within like, automotive industry but in particular like they lived in Italy for like four or five years like they had these other outside influences that were able to be shared with me um but I I knew in seventh grade I was like yo I'm going to be a shoe designer like we were in the midst of playing basketball middle school basketball and it was very clear that like the path like I was being like I was not doing as well as like some of my really good friends that were doing it right like I, I it was like I'm not gonna be a professional basketball player. Real tough reality to come to as a seventh grader, and it, but like at that same time, like Jordan 14 comes out and like yo, it was designed off of Ferrari 550 Maranello. So I started doing like all of my good friends. I'm like, oh, all right, Tyler, Tyler Hartman. I'm like, yo, yours is gonna be designed off of Viper. Brian, yours is gonna be designed off this F40. And I would just start doing like everybody's shoes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and as i said and kind of you know coming from that community a lot of that stuff wasn't nobody knew what the hell that was like so freshman year comes around and we have to tell them indiana at that time had a thing called 440 and you had to like do these 40 core like uh classes to graduate but you also had to gear it towards your kind of path and realistically it was gearing you into industrialism and pushing you into some bullshit job and i was like no i'm gonna be a shoe designer and i'll never forget my like guidance counselor who I'll be kind to and like not name them, uh, being like, that's not a real thing. Like you can't do that. And I was like, well, I'm doing it. And I don't I don't care if you want to support me. Like, this is what I'm doing. And he's like, you're going to be taking math classes. I was like, cool. I'm going to drop every one of them. Like after I get done with this, like, like I, and I was like, I don't really give a shit. Like what you have to say, you can support me. You can help me. You can do whatever you want. But if you're just going to be this way, cool. This will be our last conversation we ever have. It didn't go over so well, so like I had to like come in with my mom and stuff like that, and you know learn learn the way So from that point on, whenever I would get like the career paper, it was always two times a year. It was at the end of the year and the beginning of the year. I would just write down I'm going the lottery, and it would piss him off to no end. And then like by the time my sophomore year comes around. Uh, end of sophomore year and we had another little parent teacher conversation and I came like fully loaded at this point I had met my Nike connects and like I was comfortable enough to ask them roughly like what salaries were and like other mm-hmm. things like that and I, I just laid it all on the table and I like you can kind of tell I'm kind of I, I I'm very factual and blunt and I was like I'm pretty confident like this is at least double your salary so don't tell me that like I can't do this. Don't tell me that this isn't a real thing. Like Just because you don't know what it is and you don't know how to guide me, that's not a problem. I don't see it as a problem. I'm not expecting anything out of you anyway. What I do have a problem with is you forcing me down a path that you're comfortable with. And mm-hmm. I just kept, I, like, I'm not joking when I say, when I said I was going to be a football designer, I was going to be a footwear designer this is where life's taking me and come hell or high water i'm doing it and i i still to this day bask in the glory of people telling you no you can't do that it's the best motivation you can ever have so does that answer your question
2: yeah i have actually a side question for the (laughs) transparency because you want to be blunt like how much do shoe designers make at nike (laughs) cool
0: that's that's tough i would say If I'm somebody that's graduated college and my entry salary is below $90,000, I'd probably ask a couple questions. I would say that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and then you work your way up from there, from experience and roles and responsibilities and how much you want to take on. I've never truly been paid by Nike in that way, so I don't have that direct answer, but I can tell you the industry (laughs) standard for most people coming to college as a designer, one damn near anywhere is somewhere on the low end of 85 and on the high end, probably 115. So
2: yeah. Uh, That's real. Yeah. No, that's real information. People need those.
0: Transparency is king, man. Thanks.
1: All right, yeah. So uh I'd like to ask before we get into like professional uh like work, um, what was your college experience? Um be as brief or as long as you'd like.
0: (laughs) College experience was like it was fascinating because like as focused as i was and as much as i wanted there was a naiveness to some of this stuff that i kind of just let happen uh ccs to me uh so all right so where i'm at in indiana you're in like three hours from chicago three hours from cleveland two and a half hours from detroit like three three and a half i can drive up Minneapolis, right weird kind of cross section of like what what metropolitan metropolitans are near you so like, sports fans are all over the place around there. Like, you have no idea who's going to root for, like, anything from, I don't know, Lions to the Bears to the Colts. It's just right. it's a mess. But anyway, <laughs> I knew – so, Jason Petrie. I don't know if you guys know who Jason Petrie is, but Jason Petrie does the LeBron line. And at that time, I was emailing back and forth with him. Uh, he's not the only one. There's a lot of people to help on the LeBron, so, so there's other people here. But anyway, Jason <laughs> is most known for that uh but uh he, i was emailing back and forth with him at that time he was actually at Fila, and he graduated from a school out of north carolina and i was like hey i want to do footwear design obviously and uh, that's why you and i talk <laughs> but uh there's two places i'm looking at it was basically art center and uh ccs Both of those, I I found or Art Center, I found via Car Design News at that time, which was an amazing design news resource. Uh, And I didn't really know it, but obviously that's Pasadena, so that's like at that time it might as well have taken uh, a flipping ship to get there. So it was like ten days to get from Indiana there, you know. Um, And then. CCS was something that my high school art teacher, she just went ahead and sent my stuff in for me. So like coming into my junior year, I had a pretty decent scholarship at CCS kind of already waiting for me. So I kind of like hit up Petrie and I was like, yo, is this is this an okay thing? Or, like, is this what you're doing? He's like, yeah, that's exactly what you should do. So I got lucky that it was relatively close to my home. So I ended up at CCS without really knowing like its back history and the automotive lore and like all these other pieces. Uh, like i'm doing footwear and on that day first day we're in this like the walter b ford auditorium and like there's 110 of us and it's very especially at that time it was very very hardcore. like the way you did stuff and they were very blunt and it was kind of that old school generation of like we're going to intimidate the crap out of you and see if you really want this Uh, but basically there's 110 of us and like realistically probably 25 of you are going to graduate and maybe like 15 of you are going to graduate with like the job that you truly want And, and they're like how many of you are here to be automotive designers and 109 people like raised their hand and I was like the only one I was like uh yeah I'm just like here to do shoes and at that time there was realistically a couple people that had made it out of shoes but the most important one was probably Jason Maiden, and he had just graduated like the the year previous uh and Dwayne Lawrence was a senior that year so Dwayne did like Dwayne Wade shoes at Converse and other stuff like that and now was that onto helping with like Clay Thompson's product and other things Also did Dwight Howard, but nonetheless, he's done a lot of amazing stuff. And Maiden, I mean, I don't know if you guys know who Maiden is, but Maiden's a pretty big, Maiden's been everywhere. He's done a lot, and he's just a phenomenal human being in general. Uh, So I'm basically learning that, like, at that time, especially CCS really only cared about automotive. Like, it was paying the bills. It wasn't what it was. Luckily, I ran into Dwayne uh, getting some prints, man, and he took me under his wing which brought me to Maiden, and, like, I talked to Dwayne still to this day a little bit, but I talked to Maiden a lot. Uh, He became, like, a lifelong, lifelong true friend and, like, mentor and helping stuff out, and Mm -hmm. he just guided me through it, you know, so got internships through, well, kind of through CCS, but realistically through myself and other people guiding it, uh and that four years like it's it's a very to this day it's a real financial commitment but it was a financial commitment back then too i mean it was expensive Mm -hmm. and that drive for me was pretty simple it was like all right i'm putting this amount into it of my own personal money that means i need to make this amount coming after it and i did not like I definitely, I mean, I had my moments of where we were out barney and stuff, but man, like I worked, I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked. And I still have a very similar routine to this day of the amount of, of output that I put through. And it was, there's a competitiveness to it, uh, but there's also a mentality of like, of just not letting, <laughs> not being content i guess might be an easier way of saying it but of like keep pushing and keep driving and keep feeding yourself and learning more and growing more and the college years really put that in into that effect at the same time like on the personal side like i've been with my wife for for 20 years this year actually we started dating like our junior year in high school and uh, so we always had that. So like I would like come home over in the summer and we basically lived together. And uh, she would be like going out to the bars and like hanging out with friends and all this stuff. I'm like, cool, I'm gonna finish this project. And then like, I, you know, we might meet up afterwards or something like that. But like my whole drive and focus was to make sure to set myself up and no matter what I did, like I got the best that I could totally get out of CCS. You know, those mm-hmm. places are, Uh, college education is an interesting thing in America, depending on how you look at it. I think it became such a notion that everybody had to do it. People just thought it would provide for them. And I never looked at it that way. I'll never forget like day one of learning how to render in our car design class. And the kids that couldn't figure it out, how to do like a great rendering, is because they were focused so much on doing an exact way the teacher did it. Almost like a math problem like well i wrote down two and then i put the plus and then i wrote down two but somehow i'm not getting the same looking for and that's because it's not it's interpretation of style and it's giving you these little elements of how you need to craft yourself and i kind of took like that clicked with me like in the first six weeks of that place and i was like oh shit like this is just here to give me the cornerstones to build my own foundation and Uh, once that like really grasped onto me I was like yo I was off like I just took off and just kept driving it and forcing it and then finding ways to get them to nobody was doing footwear design outside of Dwayne and then he graduated and it was me and there was a couple others that kind of came along for the ride at that point which was beautiful but realistically I found a way to turn every one of my studio classes into a footwear design class I would talk to the teacher like hey I know that the assignment this semester is to design this backpack. I don't really care about that. What would you think if we did a shoe? And I would meet with them in their office and I would like connect and just like talk and be like, yo, this will benefit all of us. Realistically it only benefited me. But like it was like I would just go up and be like, Hey, help me to do this, you know? And that was that was the main push, man.
1: Uh, Yeah, I remember in our, like, junior, senior year, Jay and I, like, would do the same thing, like, whenever we had, like, our business management class, we're like, hey, we have a functioning business, can we just do the project using this? It just makes, it makes it more, like, it makes you actually want to work on the project, makes it applicable, and something that you can actually use.
0: like the educator, right? Like, you found somebody that has a drive you found somebody that is going to show the best examples of what you're doing and you can actually help guide them in mm-hmm. the proper right. way and get the best out of yourself and the best out of them. I mean, it's, and it's probably it motivating. It was probably very motivating to your teachers when you did that. So it's like the people that are abrasive to that style and that thought to me, are the people that are afraid of like actually allowing their whole selves to come out where it's like, you exactly. know, like, like, you know bring this all in and capture it and help them capture it further you know right yeah, uh, that's awesome i
2: didn't like going on that i had an exact like similar experience to you in my art class where like it was one of our final projects and like everybody like what are they designing and people were drawing animals and hatch and all types of whatever and i was like because my professor knew that I had this company. I was like, I want to design, like, clothes. I want to design a shoe. Now, I actually have it, like, right here. I drew this. It was digital arts. We were learning how to, like, draw on the computer. Yeah. And I ended up, I have, like, this one print. This is actually the print that I took, like, from the room. I just, like, still have it hung up. But, yeah, like, now, you know, like, what did that hone? I ended up designing what I'm wearing right now, and we took it to Paris. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I feel you. I feel you. Like, and having the latitude with your professors to be able to like do stuff like that, it's like uh, you never know like how it's gonna like impact the future, but it makes a huge difference.
0: I totally agree with you. I think it, I'll never forget like my junior year of high school. Um... Mrs. to that Marriot I mentioned earlier, like I convinced her. I was like, "Hey, let's let's do a shoe design class." And she was like, "She has no business doing any of this." Like she has because it's never been a part of any of it. And I just printed off right. anything that I could find on the internet. In fact, I bought this book off of eBay at that time, which was like a Japanese book that like, was Nike <laughs> like... design and it had like sketches for like everything that was done oh, you know, that they featured at that, that time right and like i yeah in particular this page these were the ones like i going into like the, the tune there and other pieces like that and i was like well this is how they do it and i'll never and i had like what was called by the time i was doing this with her i had what was called uh ironically this fell out from my earlier conversation guys i had that hanging on my wall for many years uh but uh, anyway, I uh, I had like you know can I had studio art classes. By the time I had done like all the ceramics, the paintings, the drawings, and all that other stuff, they just started letting me take in studio art classes. So I could. The way we did it at that time was I had to do four assignments per studio art. So I sat down. I was like, well, this is this is one of them I want to do. And i'll never forget her being like i have no idea how to critique this like we sat down (laughs) and like because she wants to critique it from like well how did you shade this like how did you how did you mix color like how did you do that and to her credit like where i and again this is like looking back now as like a 38 year old right like to her Mm -hmm. credit it's like yo she she embraced an uncomfortable thing for her like it took Mm -hmm. her out of her comfort zone she had no business like still to this day like you can critique it from yes i like it or no i don't but like she doesn't know how she's truly made or any of that stuff and she took it head on and was like all right well what they want to like what he wants to do let's help him figure it out right i mean more love teachers and more education that embraces that the better it's going to be every time every time facts
1: all right, but yeah, so I want to keep going on the timeline. And like you said, you uh you had some internship opportunities. Um and I kind of want to just get into your transition from college to working at New Balance. Can you explain yeah. how how that all happened?
0: Yeah. Um so let's hear from you know, like CCS, like you do these like corporate days, and I was always like in them, and I started communicating with like Nike further. This time you had know, to deal with recruiters and other crap like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good people, they're great people, but like, you know, it's the middle man to the actual design organization, right? But, uh, so I started like doing that, and at that time I ended up at Converse with Dwayne and then doing like stuff with Jordan at Nike and or with Jason and learning. Processes through those guys, and senior year comes around, and i mean you know the great financial crisis of two thousand seven and two thousand eight was was always interesting for America. Um, but I basically took a I had a job opportunity at Nike. It was to, ironically to do bags, which I I you know not to be arrogant or anything like that. It's not. I respect anybody that does that. And what it is, it was not my interest. I've always been somebody that likes to be on the advanced design side of things and kind of thinking around strategies and future innovation and creating that way and new balance offered me that they had a small team at that time that was doing it and i was like all right let's go learn it and the other part that i always had like a belief in was to go to a place that uh, was going to challenge you in a different way and i may not have known it as well at the time but like Nike's got the game figured out. These other places don't always have it figured out. And you can learn a lot by going to those places that don't have it figured out. And your impact and effect can be far greater. Um, so I was thankful to go and do that. I, I started there literally, uh, literally 15 years ago last week. Uh, and I spent four and a half years there. I kind of made my way around different areas there uh in the advanced product group for the bulk of the time and then i did kids shoes uh which was at the time i was like "Why am i doing kids shoes but man was that fun it was like super incredible and we were able to like focus on like a natural walking shoe that uh Mm -hmm. that like there's no a lot of times like there's no innovation that goes in the kids shoes but yet it's like the founding blocks of like walking and learning how to actually do things properly as opposed to like now you know, so many people like throw their kids in like a Jordan one that's not designed for them. And they're like tripping and falling everywhere and all this exactly. stuff. Exactly. So like that time with, that was really <laughs> fun and then training and got to be a part of like the Minimus projects and stuff like that, which was like natural running at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned a ton on the job. I learned a ton of how to create within timelines, how to navigate organizations, which was probably one of the bigger things but I also learned that I needed something bigger. Uh, I needed more global experience. I needed to, um, it was ironic to me when this isn't everywhere and this isn't the place there or the organization or anything like that. But a lot of times in my life, I've always kind of looked back at that small town in Indiana and so many people like kind of like, don't appreciate small Midwest type stuff, and that's that's okay. That's fine. They they don't do it. But what was ironic to me was when I went to New Orleans, so I was like, oh, this is going to be a plethora of culture. No, nah, it's like probably ninety percent of people that are from Boston in the area, which to me is ironic <laughs> because it's like, well, you know your culture, but what other cultures don't you know? And like, what else sure. haven't you got? And I. I also wanted to, I desperately at that time needed to understand how a bigger organization worked. Uh, I had a a professor, Greg Darby, who's now the the chair at at CCS uh, or a chair at CCS. He, uh, I'll never forget, like it was one of our last classes with him. and, And he had said, Hey, like, you know, at some point in your life, like spend five years at a small company and then five years or 10 years at a larger company, like get that basis. And I didn't intentionally plan it out, but it it went that way. And having that that it's such a fascinating thing because it's such a dichotomy of like how people work and how and 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 how the system works and how you get ideas across and how you have to learn to navigate that in a major corporate culture is is mm-hmm. always. I mean, it's it's I don't want to say it's a game, but it's it's understanding how. Anybody can draw something on a piece of paper. Anybody can put an idea on a piece of paper. It does not matter how beautiful the drawing is. It doesn't matter any of that. But working your way to get it truly executed is a completely different conversation. And a lot of people aren't built for that and understanding that. And what I felt at New Balance and sometimes what I feel to this day, even within the footwear industry, uh, is that the designers and the design team was not a part of the business enough. Uh, For the most part, they were just put into, hey, be creative, think differently. And a lot of designers, that is their goal to go and just be different and think differently. And that's cool. But I've always had this like hunger for understanding all aspects around everything that I do because it influences it. It's totally different drawing a shoe that you could make for $400 and you draw it and it's incredible. And then they're like, yeah, but this is an $85 shoe, but we don't want you to change that. Well, that's damn near impossible. <laughs> like, right. So having that understanding, knowing where your factory is, knowing where your material is being sourced, knowing who the development team is, knowing those other pieces was always something that I wanted and wanted to be a part of. Uh, and at that time, uh, and I'm not critiquing New Balance. New Balance is a phenomenal place. I'm newly really one of the best brands in the footwear business today easily. Um, But like at that time, they were totally driven by marketing, meaning that you have marketing leaning what design decisions were. And a lot of times when you get it, it's not as much the same as it was 10 years ago. uh, But a lot of times people would just kind of point at Nike and be like, we got to do our version of that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and you know, that I needed to see if other areas were like that uh and at the same time while i was at new balance i started blogging like heavily uh which blogging at that time i don't even know if blogging really exists as a term anymore but at that time that was kind of like it was big back then yeah it was massive that, that was that was, was twitter Yeah, well, well said that was twitter so like yeah you know, i started started doing that and uh i just did a post a week uh my wife was in the midst of getting her master's so a lot of free time after work we had a dog but outside of that man all i really had to do was like run eat and i would just draw and do more stuff so i also saw this opportunity to share growing up as a kid and you know we've really honed in on footwear but i also was deeply in love with like automotive and other pieces and i had subscriptions to <laughs> what i would do is because like parents were divorced and then my grandparents were in the same town like magazines like Motor Trend and Car and Driver and Auto Blog and, or not Auto Blog Auto Week and European Car and stuff like that. They would give like six months free if you filled out like the thing. So I would like mm-hmm. do it and then I would just switch the address to like the four places right. and like just rotate it around. So going. I'd have like <laughs> and I would have like all these subscriptions and magazines and like what always drove me nuts was like It was so beautifully tailored and so well-written and so elegant. And then like the footwear stuff, thank God for Slam because they did a beautiful job with it. But even they didn't always break down design in the way automotive would. So once I kind of, I always loved writing, like even in high school and stuff like that. Once I kind of started looking at it, I was like, yo, why doesn't footwear have this? And instead of like continually asking the question or pointing out the missing piece, I was like, I'm just going to go do it. Uh, and I did it. And, uh, you know, until 2015, it was like a, a real part of me um, in doing it. And like that, that especially during that time frame, really blew up for me. Uh, to this day, I still find people that, that read that and, and, and were a part of it. And that also opened my network further too, uh, which is right. kind of what, what actually brought me to GM. But it was, uh, you know, New Balance is, I'm forever grateful for that time and, and, and being a part of that and still have friends to this day from there. And I'm super proud of what what we were able to achieve and, and learn in other pieces. But that was kind of that time in four and a half, you know, right? It's four and a half years and 10 minutes, but yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no I was a I was a good Uh, con, uh I was going to say condensation is kind cond- of no, explanation, Condensa. <laughs> explanation. Say- condensation because yeah, no. yeah, we got new ideas I mean, we can water make- but yeah <laughs> I'm just saying condense words electrolysis you, know
2: you know what I'm saying whatever uh <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. after so after you worked at new balance though, and you mentioned you transitioned to gm like can you talk about the transition from designing shoes at new balance to designing corvettes at gm and we say was, like um, yeah you went to gm but like you was corvettes though <laughs> and like yeah, how did that opportunity was, come man. about like what made you want to transition like that
0: i it was never like on my like list of things to do uh it was uh so basically the blog thing really took off and the way i would use the blog was to be very strategic i would do kind of three stories about like like i would like oh we went to jones and vining here's how we made a last oh uh we went to the factory here's what that looks like oh, we went and ran with the group of people because we're working on a running shoe. This is what that's like and how that process goes. And then on the fourth one, I would hit them with sketches. And I would build this like story uh, that way. New Balance was not paying attention. I don't think this would ever fly today, like ever. They said I could do it, but I don't think they were paying attention. But like I used it as an opportunity to build a, a bigger and bigger portfolio and a bigger network, right? So story, 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 rep story 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 Brett. like i used it as a level of self-advertisement just to be frank um right. and that led to a lot of things so basically you know my my, my wife and i uh, we had gotten married while we were not and we didn't get married in boston we got married back in indiana but we were living in boston and we kind of just determined it was like hey it's time for the next life step which was not children but it was like hey where's our next spot and that was basically, we determined that roughly March, February, 2010. Uh, and by spring, I I had my portfolio where I wanted it to be and everything like that. I interviewed at Adidas multiple times from spring to summer, uh, not of missing spots, but they were building a spot for me. Uh, so like, it was like, the first interview was running and went really, really well. The second one was innovation and then it was basketball. And it was just kind of like, you know, when you navigate the corporate thing, nothing, nothing's nothing's a million. It takes like a month. Right. And it was like, well, where are we going to fit it? Where are we going to place them? At the same time, I was doing the same thing with Nike and same story. It was just kind of going through it. And Labor Day kind of rolls around and I got an email from uh, another. Well, I've been texting with a very, very good friend of mine to this day, and he was going to join GM, and he was like, "Yo, would you ever consider it?" And I was like, "Yeah," and you know, I've always listened, no matter what in life, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, it never hurts to listen. So I, I said, "Yeah," and then somebody reached out to me from the innovation side. Uh, his name is Clay Dean, and he was like, "Hey, you should come and just." talk with us like just come come listen so by this time we set the interview up it was going to be in october and stuff like that and like in my mind i was like yo like night and these are taking a little bit longer than i thought with this offer worst comes to worst i go back to town and go out and have some beer and some general and some friends i haven't seen a while worst comes worst right Mm -hmm. so i go there and honestly it was it was pretty incredible like there's such a design history there's a level of passion there's not too many bigger design organizations in the planet as well or on the planet i shouldn't say we're not in the planet uh, but um and that that like was incredible and the conversation that we had was so amazing so that was literally like basically halloween and uh i left and got back to boston and then we flew out to Portland then uh, to get an. I had another wave of interviews for where we were going to go with both places, and like my wife and I are in the. This is like our fourth time to Portland that year, and we're sitting in the Ace Hotel. We get an offer from Monty. We got an offer from Nike, and I was like, "All right, well, we're taking one of those." Like at that point, we had those, and I was like, "All right, well." You know, I haven't heard anything from GM. But I think the level of professionalism I should call them and let him know like this is what I'm thinking and where we're going. And uh, so I do, and they're like, No, 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 wait, like we were literally gonna contact you today with our final offer. And I was like, Oh, all right. So we went from like this like hustle and hustle and hustle to like sitting in this hotel and like having three offers in front of us. It was such an incredible, blessed, like thankful experience. And We just started listing like positives and negatives of it. Right. And, you know, I shouldn't say negatives. Negatives is actually a bad way of saying it. There was nothing negative about any of it. It was more of differences and what do we want to be able to select? Because I'll tell you, there's very few times in your life or in my life where I've had an opportunity like that to truly pick where and what I'm capable of doing. And, I love the footwear industry. I think that's pretty obvious from what we're talking about and the way we've discussed it. It it drives me as a passion. It just motivates the hell out of me. But on the flip side, there was this element to the automotive thing that kind of scared me. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, can I do it? Would I be able to achieve at it? And I knew not to be arrogant, but I knew that if I worked hard enough, and I didn't like slow down or didn't stop paying attention to footwear, didn't stop drawing, I would be able to get back into footwear. But I was not 100% confident that I would be able to get back into automotive design. And that, in a personal sense, was enough to be like, this is what you should do. Like, if it intimidates you this much, this is absolutely what you should do. Go challenge yourself. Go learn more. Go grow more. Go do more. And I did it. Um, and ended up spending, you know, ten years there. Uh, I resigned June first. Last day was June thirtieth of this year. Uh, but it was like, man, it's, it's it's still, you know, I left on, I would say, phenomenal terms. Uh, I hope they would say the same thing. It was, I mean, they threw me basically at a retirement party, so I feel like I left on good terms. But uh, it was by far one of the greatest experiences of my life, and just taught me so much of working through it and you know, the main reason that drove me to it was because I did have a belief that the creative process is the creative process, meaning that it doesn't change what industry you're in. Um, It may change how you look at things, how you think of things, and how you adapt to how you're going to manufacture those things. But the idea of where an idea starts from, and the generation of that, and the honing of it, and the creating of it, really isn't that different. Um, The cost The scale, the amount of people is massively different uh, in automotive compared to footwear. Uh, But overall, that mentality of driving and pushing to create the most passionate and emotional product on the planet is is really what each place is trying to do. The one thing that I can point out that I really... uh, Nike would have been different. Uh, but at that time, Adidas, like New Balance, uh, was, was ran by marketing. Uh, and for me, even to this day within general owners, design is ran by design. And what that means when you get into a structure is that design makes their decisions as to how design works. You still have to collaborate with your other business partners. But at the end of the day, they own design. And when, in my opinion, and it's not every place, but it can be a slippery slope when marketing owns design because you're watching the market drive what sales are, and that can become reactive to what creative processes and aesthetic is. So that ultimately was another reason why I wanted to experience GM as well. Okay. I hate you with a lot there. I apologize. But overall, I no,
1: please, to... please don't. No. The long the long answers are preferred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, I would like to ask you spoke a little bit at the end about um or close to the end about similarity similarities and differences between shoes and cars as far as industries, but what about designing and what did you kind of like learn as you stepped into that challenge into designing cars was it difficult as difficult as you thought it was going to be and
0: yeah could you just talk about your transition into that i think the thing that was difficult i mean the, the, the thing that's plagued me and i don't even plague. Plague's is not the word because i've embraced it and i think it's actually a, a good thing but like at GM, I was seen as a shoe designer in a car design world, right? As the yeah. footwear side, I was seen as like a car designer in the footwear design world. So there's always like this weird, like everybody, regardless if you're in the creative industry or not, you still get boxed in in some way, shape or form, right? People want, it's what makes people feel comfortable. They'll be able to compare and contrast. Um, So that was probably one of the, the differences and challenges of coming over that getting people to understand uh what uh what i can bring to the table because i don't have this lifelong he's not outside he's not a lifelong car designer I didn't draw it. but meanwhile i was at ccs i was taking all those car design classes too and i was doing just as well as most of those kids that are now famous car designers so if not better to be frank and arrogant at the same time uh, but like i guess my statement to you would be the difference was probably how the business ran uh there wasn't always like a brief like with footwear there's usually a brief there's usually a kickoff of like this is what you're doing with your shoe and this is what it is this is where it fits but it was like you know sometimes we were just starting the next corner bed or we were starting the next silverado or something like that and you just kind of started right. calling. um The only one that I ever truly remember having a brief was actually Hummer. But nonetheless, that like journey is also far more serious because you don't have a second opportunity or it's rare that you have an opportunity to fix it. Like, I'm not like, I'm not the person to go to for math. But I mean, I can tell you this, like even a really, really expensive shoe and I'm not talking expensive retail, but I'm talking like expensive to make, like that flight closet there. Mm-hmm. Like that's an expensive tool set. Like that's a lot of investment. But with my education, I would say that cost somewhere between 250,000 and $400,000 for total like product investment for raw materials, not necessarily marketing and other things like that. Nike is a marketing machine, so I'm sure the fun police videos were millions of dollars or something like that but right. from a car like a billion dollars man like before you even hit before you even like hit marketing or any of that and right. that also ties into many different effects of like supply chain relationships and unions and other pieces like that so the point is is that the critiques and the seriousness of it is is far different than footwear, because and this isn't to downplay either one of them, because both are massively important, and both are different. But like you you if you screwed up a shoe in a quarter, you had time to fix it the next quarter. If you screw up a car, it's going to take seven years, ten years. And it's right. financially enough that it could screw up those suppliers. It could screw up your business, It could screw up many things. So the scrutiny, as to what you're creating and what you're doing is far higher it's far more unique uh what i loved about the process is exactly what i felt missed on the flip side of the footwear business was like i understood exactly what i was designing to and what the price was the way we worked with suppliers the way we had an understanding of what we were coming in for it was much more collaborative much more partnership it was still kind of siloed at times uh meaning that like getting interior, exterior, colored materials and all of us to talk together could be challenging at times. Uh, but the best ones were where we really all came together and really formulated it. Uh, I was lucky enough to be on Corvette almost my, my entire time there. Uh, I, I ended the C6 and helped finish the C7 and was a pivotal part of the C8 um, and, and stuff that's yet to come out yet. And it was absolutely extraordinary experience because it taught me so much about when you're with the right team and you're with the right people and you're all on the same path and like the same guided light you can see where a great product happens and and why it happens uh it was it was absolutely extraordinary and like to ask about like creative process you know the way that I always looked at it wasn't that different from a shoe. I mean, for the most part, when you were designing a shoe, it's full of emotion and it's full of movement. You want it to look like right. it's moving even when it's sitting still. Everything that we do within the automotive world should convey the exact same thing and how you hone that. And honestly, the stuff that I was able to help with, in particular the color and materials and a little bit on the interior side of stuff, it was realistically a soft good. And that's essentially what I was doing. It's just much bigger (laughs) so you know the processes were kind of similar and it was able to also you know a lot of times when we talk about you know we we spent a good time talking about music before this and realistically like what what really connects the dots of like great creative things is when you're able to take something that doesn't always relate that's far away but bring it in and show it in a relatable way that it drives something forward in a new way Uh, It's tangible. It's understood. And then you repurpose it into another area to get it to become something new. A lot of times that's what innovation really is in most worlds. And that footwear piece helped me a ton in that sense, especially on the Corvette side, because it's purely emotional. Nobody needs a Corvette. There's not a single person on this planet that can say they can't function their lives without a Corvette. But I should say nobody, you know, but that want and that desire and that emotional connection and that aspect was realistically what I played up and really what I drove into. It's also lucky that like when I really got, got running within working on that product with the team, we were also starting to see kind of like the highlights of stuff like C7 really brought the brand really, really high up. And then mm. that brought us right into C8. And, it, and you got to really hone in on like, all right, what do I love about footwear? Oh, okay, well, I love I love like bright, bold colors that like highlight these other pieces. Well, how do we do that and apply it? I was able to do, like able to work with with Brian Vaughn and and Tristan Murphy and Brian Geisler and Brian Stockhol and a few of these other people that all have the same mentality. And we all just really pushed that feeling and that emotion. And understanding where we could take that product and ultimately the brand.
2: Yeah. Go ahead, Jay. I was gonna say, like you touched on how like creativity is really the muscle and it's transferable between any industry, but tangibly like what softwares and skills was there a difference from designing shoes or maybe use like illustrator to then when you're designing the car and you're using I still
0: them, use what illustrator else. photoshop all that stuff was still 100% uh, towards the end you know I was more of a leader I wasn't as a part of like doing the functional creative process at the end of the time but that had grown into bringing in much more math resources so the aliases and vred is is one of those and then uh for the past like four years me and another designer that i really loved working with we haven't really like jumped into grasshopper and some of that other stuff um, but i mean overall the tools really weren't they weren't that different which did kind of surprise me to be honest with you mm. the difference that i will say though too is like uh the level and and you're starting to see it get more like you're starting to see more computational groups show up in footwear uh, but like you know the level of surfacing that is done within math products and automotive is bar known to anybody else i mean it's literally what's making your mold and your tools and it has to be perfect class a surfacing uh so that that was a complete different uh, the other part that was awesome about automotive is like and i think this is innate to gm and their process and their design flow is is clay sculpting uh where you would mill out clay. uh you would start you know kind of smaller and bigger and bigger to the full scale and they would mill out the entire you know math piece onto it but the important part was is that we still have hand clay sculptors that are creating that stuff and when they were doing that it's something that's so technical and so man-made had this like hand quality touch to it and like mm-hmm. it it may be hard to tell if you're not necessarily in the industry but there are like certain brands that i look at and like it looks like they just drew over the top of an alias model and it's like they're missing they're missing that element of the human touch and like every one of our surfaces has that or i should say every one of gm surfaces since i'm no longer there every one of them has that and it's and it's it's predominantly because of that art and science approach that they do
2: and like how long does it take and again versus shoes how long does the design process take
0: like shoes if you're truly aggressive and good at what you do in today's day and age you could probably do something in six months but you could definitely do it in eight to a year but most places are on an 18 month time frame uh with automotive it's gotten a lot quicker (laughs) like The Hummer was nuts. Like the Hummer, we did it in a year. I mean, it 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 was aggressive. It took a lot, and it, I wouldn't say it was easy by any means. Uh, but not every project needs to be that way though either. But we did that legit in a year. I mean, arguably, we arguably did that quicker than some shoes that I was working on at the same time on the outside of GM, and it's like. Uh, so the process is getting quicker. No matter where you're at, it's really more about the risk and reward of what you're willing to take on and how to do it. But I would say if you have like an industry standard, if somebody was to give it to you, two and a half years is probably how they view a car. So two two and a half of design, development, engineering, and then three years for it to be on the road.
2: And how many In people? Mind. How many people Thousands. are part of the team to work on them?
0: Thousands and the intimate team. Like the intimate product group is probably, I mean, if you're just talking designers and design, it's it's probably somewhere around 10 to 12. By the time you start adding in sculpting and other pieces, it grows. Uh, And by the time you add in all studio resources, it's probably like a hundred. And then by the time you get into engineering and manufacturing, I mean, realistically, I'm not joking when I say it's thousands of people end up having some portion of the car that they've done. Whereas mm-hmm. footwear, it's like, unless you're going to count every labor piece that touches it, it's probably somewhere like seven to ten people. Uh, right. I always kind of joke, like, walking, to me, like, walking a GM compared to, like, walking in some some footwear is, like, I feel like I'm in a physical version of the S&P 500. Like, it's just, like, what
2: it's
0: like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was funny,
1: I like to ask uh both shoe and cars. Do you have any personal favorites?
0: Oh man, yeah. Um I'll probably tell you which child I like for. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I got like I mean, you know, I'm off of this new display. So I don't know if it's going to uh is it going to catch up to it it'll, it'll it'll move with you. All right. So, All right. that can't show. Uh it's not doing it properly. Hold on, let me turn I got to figure out the best way to do it. But nonetheless, I'll just grab stuff. I've got a lot of the Yeezy products I've been pretty enamored with lately. Um, Okay. Probably Zabotka is is easily one of my favorite products ever. Uh, The Nike Zabotka, which is with Mark Newsom. Jordan 3 is like the first shoe that I remember looking at during the first retro in 1994. It was in the back of like the third issue of Slam i think sean kemp on the cover of it might have been the second mm-hmm. but regardless i was like oh shit like i gotta get that um the one of the most this summer was actually the adidas product collab from like last year i absolutely love this shoe like i wanted it because of the shape and the material and construction like it's just so beautiful made. me but gosh this shoe is absolutely incredible um another favorite is yeah, I mean, these guys one second. I know you're I'm off camera here, so you can look at my view of Jordan oh, there. You good. Those are original ads from 1984, by the way. Um this is the Nike Free uh the Gyaksu version of Japan. So this is like dude, you this is next level engineering of running product like absolutely incredible shoe uh this was a shoe that i like obsessed over when i was in high school the nike presto clip this arguably is more sustainable than any footwear that's on the market today even though we ignore how it was made and don't do anything with it uh a feat of footwear manufacturing is the knit runner uh i think people get caught up in the aesthetic way too much of it which is totally cool it does look unique and weird and all this other stuff but this this is some groundwork uh, that is going to, well, we'll see what happens with him and Adidas. But in theory, should have changed the world of footwear manufacturing. Uh, this this shoe in particular, I've got multiple colorways of it. This being an actual original pair of the Flight Posit 1. Uh, this this I still like, like I keep it, obviously you probably saw, oh damn it, Ruby uh, I keep it back there, like within Zaha Hadid sculpture like, that I have, and like, it's like it's all about fluidity. It's all about movement. It's all about like everything that is this manufacturing process doesn't look like it should be a part of the foot, but yet you look at this shoe and you're like, there's nowhere else it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's always one of my favorites. Jordan Eleven is an all-time favorite just like many other people arguably we haven't improved basketball shoes since then uh and then jordan 13 is jordan 13 is the reason i'm a designer like that level of storytelling and wrapping it around a performance product is so important jordan 23 another phenomenal shoe that slept on i don't like a lot of stuff you know Um, I don't like a lot of stuff simply because of the way it looks. I mean, a lot of stuff because of the way it's functioned, the way it's made and challenges me and makes me think differently. Nike EQ uh, from the original SB launch, that's over in my shoe room over there. So I don't have time why I could go grab it, but you're gonna be sitting here for a second by yourself. Um, And then as far as cars go, oh, I've got so many. Uh La Ferrari, if you ever get a chance to be around it in person, is absolutely one of the most spectacular pieces of automotive history and like art and just being around it. It's just hands down an incredible experience. Enzo is very similar in that sense. Um uh, currently I'm obsessed with the Ferrari Roma. Uh the Ferrari 250 GTO is, I mean, arguably the best automotive shape ever. Uh, depending on who you're talking to, I used to get really obsessed with the W196 Mercedes, which is like a race car from way back in. Yeah, uh, was that pre-war? It might have been post-World War II in Germany, but that that product was absolutely just hands-down fluid and just so amazing. 911 is damn near the perfect product on the planet. I mean. I look at that in the scope of it's emotional, it's beautiful, it's functional, it's engineering at its highest, it's very German dichotomy, the way it looks at it. But on the other side, as being a part of the product design process and development process within a few different corporations and helping many others at the same time, really really hard to get a group of people to say that this is the direction that is right for us <laughs> for five to seven years at a time let alone almost 100 years so the fact that they were able to do that always that car always holds a special piece of my heart uh right. yeah man there's a, there's a ton of vehicles i could keep going on and on all that stuff drives me though
1: yeah. do you have do you have any personal favorites that you have designed personally oh Whether my bad no or... of
0: no 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 it's just a follow-up yeah i mean the c8 yeah the, 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 being yeah. a part of the c8 like i mean it changed my life but uh mainly because of the people that i worked with and like how we all drove each other and worked together uh but also just seeing the effect that it had on american culture and it's still having it on american culture like and We unveiled that at the the, the Confluence Day elegance and the the one that we do here in Detroit. Like you we, know, Mark Royce and 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 Mike Simcoe, Mike Semko is VP of of design, and then Mark Royce is the uh, he's he's president of GM. I mean, outside of Mary Barra, you know he's he's one of the highest people up there and they they asked design to present the, the car there. So it was like myself, Tristan Murphy, Tom Peters, and Kirk Bennion, and Vladimir Kephtoff, and a couple others that were, you know, integral pieces to it. And that, that experience was absolutely extraordinary. But after it, like, you know, these people that are at those type of shows are people that are buying the car. It's not just people that are obsessing with it. And most times they have other cars within their, within their, uh, or whatever you want to call it. And like, like, we had this guy come up to us afterwards and, and, and he was like, you, you guys are young. You probably don't realize it, but like what you've done for American car history and what you've done here has never been able to happen like most of us always had to go and buy a Ferrari we always had to do that to meet that level of performance and pinnacle but the fact that you did it matched it and then did it in a price point that's relatively attainable to some or most is such an incredible thing and I'll, I'll never forget that moment of of him thanking us for it and I'll never forget the process of like going through it where it's like you just know that it's right and you know that it's coming along um so seeing it i'll forever be be thankful for i mean arguably it will probably be the most important thing that i did in my career uh footwear wise you know i had like this kind of pivotal moment as i was going through my journey of of always trying to essentially get to nike or jordan or something like that where Mm -hmm. i realized that i was joining another industry that was Essentially gonna take me navigating politics and doing other things and relearning that stuff. And that's not that that's a bad thing. I am not saying that Nike or Jordan is full of politics. What I am saying is that you have to go and learn a company's culture before you can navigate it, master it, get the best out of it, do the best product, right? Mm -hmm. And I kind of just had this epitome of like, I would also, I mean, there's no nobody's built like you, you design yourself, but there's also this like mentality though that like. I'm not necessarily as needed at a place like those as maybe people that are trying to start their own journey. And uh as I was at GM, you know, I had a consultancy going the entire time, a footwear consultancy. And I worked with a ton of people, a ton of people, a ton of companies, a ton of brands, major, small. And my favorite ones were actually working with the startups of where we had like just really good relationships. So the LG1 uh, from Ethics with with Langston Galloway was extraordinary. My relationship with Lang is just amazing, and I'm forever thankful for that. That shoe I absolutely love. Uh, I just rearranged my office like yesterday. Otherwise, I wouldn't have pulled that up and showed it. Um, and then because I have LG2 in here now, and I'm not going to pull that up because it's not out yet. Um, but and then past that is working with another company that I'm now creating – creative director for SNIBS um, and working with those guys because they have a passion and a level for footwear that they're trying to bring a uniqueness to basically the workwear group uh, and not workwear in a fashion sense, but like true people that are working, which um, working with those techniques and those type of manufacturing processes drives me to think differently, inspiration wise and product wise. But just working with that group of people is, is realistically Uh, What I strive for. I I have kind of my main mantra that I've learned over the years is like good people, good design. If you don't have any of that, the product's going to relate whatever atmosphere and feeling that's going on around it. And that really has driven me to work with people that I think are deserving of the time and needing of the time and needing of the level of expertise and vision that I can provide. And that's that's realistically the product that I have coming for them. I'm super proud of and I'm super excited one of them is going to be it's called the orbit we're literally like a handful of weeks away from that and then like we hit you with a slew of products coming over the next year and a half and all of them nice. I love so oh
1: yeah yeah
2: fun uh, so Talking about the transition out of GM, like what motivated you to step out into entrepreneurship and what skills were needed that weren't before? I mean, you said that it was really cool when you had those three choices laid out, right? Like New Balance, GM, Nike, Adidas, and you just get to pick. But entrepreneurship, I think it's like, you can really now, it's just full freedom. Like what was what was the, uh, thing that made you want to actually go and take that leap?
0: You know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I had that consultancy going, uh, like I said, for a, a little over a decade by the time the decision like came to it. And, uh, I would slow it down at times, like when I every time I grew in leadership at GM, I would slow it down a little bit, and then figure out like the new position at GM, and then let it kind of. Then I'm like, all right, I got this understood. I know the process. I know how I've got to function. What I need to do, and then I would build it back up and take on more. Right with the consultancy, and then became this realization of me of knowing that. The further that I grew within the corporate world, it's always less and less product related, even though you say you own more of the product. Uh, and I really always honed in and built the team. I valued that tremendously. Building team was was what I always strive to do because I had to step out of it. I knew I know who I am and having some of the projects that I was on behind me, there is a Uh, an atmosphere around it that that you know you gotta let that go to let people know that it's like no go and we can apply that to everything we can do this to every car it doesn't not need to be there and as I went through that process of kind of getting into it and going further I just kind of came to this culmination that my growth is essentially limited by those above me and I love, I, I have no ill will towards anybody there, to be frank. They're all wonderful human beings. It's it's the the people there are extraordinary. What I had to prove to myself of what I could do for myself. Uh, my journey, and it may have taken me a little bit longer to fully realize that my journey has always been quite individual in a selfish, somewhat positive way. Uh, and I needed that weight to drive myself further. And I could be there play the game and, you know, wait it out and hopefully have become a director and maybe if I was blessed, look, you know, it's an executive director and other things like that. Uh, but there was always this like, well, for 10 years, you have something really successful going that you never once advertised for. It's always people talking, it's always people saying, hey, you should work with him or, you know, built off of what little online presence that I kind of have. and just you know knowing my way around and honestly just being a good collaborator and doing good product and what started you know when i really had that i'm gonna take a drink real quick and i'll answer that oh, go ahead and when i had that like epiphany after i turned nike down in like 15 i had that epiphany of like you know, there's so many more people that need what they have. And on the personal side, uh, just like my own beliefs and product and where we're at in the world with the environment and other stuff like that, nobody needs another shoe. Nobody needs another shirt. Nobody needs any of that. But if they're going to do it, we might as well do it to be something that's worthwhile and is long lasting and isn't going to be this fashion piece or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So... And when I mean my fashion piece is fast fashion, something that's just going to go away and have no uh, emotional integrity or feeling as the reason why somebody needed it. Did it solely out of want. So I shifted my mentality of, you know, doing this work and building my portfolio and extra income and my portfolio, I mean, personal design portfolio to, all right, Let's build something sustainable and longevity. And that realistically shift happened like 15, 16. And then by like 17, 18, uh, you start getting repeat business from a lot of that stuff. And then by like nineteen, twenty, 20, it really grew and it grew rapidly. And by the time 21, especially towards the end of 21, uh, I knew I was on like a, a course of I need to make a decision uh, because I was always able to balance GM and balance the other one and balance the family. And sometimes one might sacrifice a little bit, but very rarely I did my absolute best, to never let GM sacrifice because I respected what it was. I knew what I had signed up for. I knew what I'd taken on. And if I was working with those other people, I was just very transparent with my timeline and what I was going through. And if if you don't have the time for that that's okay this isn't the time for us to do the project we can do it another time or something right uh and then it kind of got to this point of like all right uh, income has surpassed what the regular salary is uh and i'm liking what i'm doing and i'm seeing real growth in particular out of a place like sinibs and in particular, I really loved the relationship of working with those guys. And it was just simply put, evaluate what you want. Uh, I kind of have always had a mentality of navigating my career at two years at a time. Uh, and I feel like that gives me six months of like execution, six months of strategy, six months of planning, and then six months of reacting, right? I always just kind of looked at it that way. So... I started looking at it and it's like, hey, you have your own economic data for the past decade at a minimum. You've made more than the median income in America on the side. Like at a minimum, I can say that I've done that. Most times when people jump into entrepreneurship, they jump in with nothing and they go off of a feeling. I was able to build up and basically, just transition to what I already had going, and transition into something that was safe. And I shouldn't say safe, but the data is there. It's not like I'm going off of data of three or six months or a hunch or anything like that. I'm going off of a decade of what I've been capable to achieve in the relationships that I have. And that's not to say that I believe that I have it easy. I don't. It's there's still the hustle. There's still the drive and there's still that push of of what it is but on the flip side i know that i have the right partners and the people that i'm working with in particular snibs of really building that stuff up and knowing that we have an opportunity that couldn't wait uh and it's not to say that i need a gm to wait or anything like that uh gm GM's wonderful. GM's beautiful. I was thankful that the way I left, I was able to set up the person that I thought was right for the job and help her to take over it and and do it as well as it could. But I knew that I was waiting on them. They were never gonna wait on me. And this other industry was essentially waiting on me. And I just went with it, man. I just had to do it. I jumped right into it and it's it's going <laughs> i don't know how else to say it but he just keeps moving and i don't know if i consider myself an entrepreneur i guess to some extent i am but i i definitely consider myself as somebody that evaluates reads the room really well and understands when the right time and right moment is and if i don't i know when i'm gonna miss something and if i'm gonna miss it then i gotta like I've got it. So I have to jump. And I knew I was going to miss if I let this go another year or two, definitely three, the opportunity would be here. And I had to seize on that to see what I can get out of myself, to see where I can take myself and push it.
1: And from then, what would you say that you've uh, you've learned since stepping out of the corporate space and and uh, kind of doing
0: your own thing full time? learned a lot i mean a lot of the things that i didn't like about gm was like the sac and it's not gm it's me And it is not never once was i told to do this at any corporation because i did the same thing in new balance but like it's like a mentality that's driven into a lot of us to like push and drive and do more right and do more and do more and do more. And like it takes that sacrifice and they're, they're, it's accurate uh but on the flip side, like what I valued the most was like owning my schedule and knowing how I work and what's best and making sure that like the sacrifice was actually for me, right? And not necessarily for them. Uh, so on the flip side, like, I don't know that I've done any better of improving like my work life balance. I mean, to some extent I have, cause I can say I'm at home and I've I'm able to navigate like other things and do things properly uh or not properly, but do things what's best for us and our life and our kids um but like i've really made sure that like i love running running wasn't something that i did in like high school or anything like that but that that was really born at new balance and it would come in ebb and flows in fact you know being on the nike run app for like over 12 years now I could always go back and tell you where I failed miserably and I could just point out like, oh, that's when we were launching Corvette or that's when we were doing home and like could see all of it. And it's because, you know, I only had so much energy to give and so many things like that before we got on our call today. Uh, I mean, i wrapped up five and a quarter mile run. It's like, I'm able to build my life around what I needed to be. And ultimately what that means is that, it, that that notion can be anything for anybody else. It doesn't have to be running. It could be coffee. It could be journaling. It could be meditation. Whatever gives you that fulfillment and happiness and control and balance in your life, that's what I feel that I'm striving for. Uh, I don't know that I haven't mastered yet, but that's like the one thing of like not just sacrificing my time uh, simply for the project or product is is really where I'm at right now.
1: Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's the best part. <laughs> just like just uh, building your schedule around what what's your ideal, and then just like making that happen.
0: Well, one thing that yeah. like did always frustrate me was like on both sides, my consultant side, and then even at like the GM side, was that there was never time for me to develop like new skill sets. Sometimes I would have to like force it and fit it in there because the timelines. I wasn't always able to master it because it'd be like, I I don't have time to go and relearn how I'm going to model this in like sub-D modeling or how I'm going to do grasshopper or something like that. Predominantly because I needed to get it out the door. So like there's book creativity, Inc. which is by one of the co-creators of Pixar and like, you know, I don't know how true it is, but they they do like creative days a month. Well, I just do creative days a week. So like every Thursday today, that's just why we have the interview on today is like I I treat it as a creativity day, as an opportunity to solely dedicate myself to creativity and what it needs to be. Uh, So some of those days I've used it to go and do quote unquote shoe shopping, benchmarking, measurements, other pieces like that. Know the market, know it really well, understand what's going on. Uh, get those type of details. Uh, I've used it to go to museums. Uh, I've used it to record our our scenario here. Uh, I've used it to just be me and enable that to keep that growth and that hunger going to not rest rest my laurels on one way of doing something and to continue the pursuit of like artistic growth and understanding so it comes back into the product ultimately.
1: Right. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I want to um, I want to ask. We don't have to go too much into it. I can. I feel like I could probably encapsulate it into one answer. But you also teach, and uh, you're around the younger generation quite often and get to interact with them. I wanted to ask, um, what are common pitfalls? Um, that you see of kind of objectively working with a younger generation and what advice would you offer them generally um, as far as just wanting to get where they want to go?
0: It's a really good question. Um, I think a lot of times like the youth creatives of the world um, have a hard time focusing on like what actually is the successful piece of a design or a product and they want it to be everything to prove to themselves that they can do everything as opposed to like all right for instance like let's say at design school you have a project you decide that you're going to design seven things like i'm going to do a shoe i'm going to do a bag i'm going to do a coat I'm going to do uh, socks and shirts and pants. And then I'm also going to do a website and a full campaign around this thing. It's like, cool, semester's 15 weeks, my guy. Like at a minimum, each one of those things could be 15 weeks, right? So either getting them to understand like what's the most pivotal part and what are you going to gain out of that adventure and that design process? Because it's not just accomplishing it. Putting that in your portfolio, okay. Is it strong enough to be in your portfolio? Or are you just putting it in your portfolio to say that you did eight things on top of each other? Because one's sacrificing the other because of time. You only have so much time. So understanding that balance, understanding what you're going to get out of it and bring to it is, is a real key thing. Um, I think another part, is, and honestly, is probably the most important one out of this, uh, which is essentially uh, listen first, and ask second uh meaning like you know it's okay to like just chill and listen to what's being told to you and then ask the question like a lot of times that stuff's there for you and because most people that are successful are self-driven like really self-driven and you find your ways as to what self-driven means for you and you know sometimes that's being very tenacious and aggressive sometimes that's just making sure that you guide yourself and navigate properly, but all of it is based around you. So understanding that great stuff happens outside of you. Listen to the world, listen to the people, listen to what's going on, and take that information to grow yourself. And that's probably not just you, man. That's that's people in general.
1: (laughs) I like the Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. So um I kinda wanna just have a, a last couple questions. Uh we kind of wrap it up towards the end of the, the conversation. It's been really dope so far by the way. Oh, um but yeah, we just have a a couple kind of like ending questions and then we'll uh have you tell all the people where they could find you um but uh the first one i want to ask is
0: what do you want your legacy to be i don't know that i take enough thought into that to be honest with you um what i want my legacy to be i mean this is a selfish answer but i want it to be my story my way like just as simple as that i I used to like embrace myself off of like the rebelliousness that I had to get myself to where I was at, but now I kind of just want to continue that and be able to say that like I've raised my kids and got them to be happy and believe in themselves, which is not uh, it's not as easy as it sounds to be, Uh, and know that like journey and. And know that I was there for him. And then on the flip side, being able to do it in my own terms, like, I, I mean, if I had like, and we didn't touch on it because it's not like the the part to always touch on it, but my wife and I both have phenomenal careers. We both have aggressive schedules. And what's great about now is that realistically, I'm able to kind of balance mine and the kids don't suffer because they weren't before. They absolutely were before. They were in the middle of it. And like, that sucked. And there's still times where it's not perfect. It absolutely is always going to be that way because of the nature of what we do. But uh, my legacy to me will be being able to say, "Yo, I did this how I needed to do it, and it it benefited all of those that that I worked with and all the people that are around me significantly." Uh, I was done. I
2: I've been still sitting here thinking about uh, what you said for like advice to the youth. And I see again, like this is a huge pattern of like everybody that's, I feel like our age wants to do a bunch of different things or thinks they need to have a bunch of different skill sets and go in a bunch of different directions. But I think that that's born out of that. We're, told to diversify for risk
0: aversion. And so, right, like, we see you know, That's like, the effects of, like, 2008 and when like, it brought was exactly what I was exactly. about to say.
2: We see, like, the crash of a market, and then, like, their parents that only have this one skill lose their job, and now what now? So, the youth watches that and says, okay, I need to do ten different things. But the same way as, like, how you would actually balance an investment portfolio for adverse risk it's not just 10 percent in 10 things knowing how to actually create the balance so that it's risk averse instead of just doing it to do it uh is really the big is really a big
0: thing but yeah i just wanted to say that that was still that was really well, uh, well and i think the, the big thing that's like even came out of that and what is beautiful about the, like the current generation is like it's better understanding how to do things on your own right where it's like you don't have to like bring others in to you know i can't do that but I'll, I'll hire something out like this this mentality of like yeah i can take this on and i can figure it out and utilizing your assets in a better way i mean it's it's really that's that's really key i think like when i hear you say that it's uh you know, it's a, weird, it's a weird fucking world out there, man. Like the way I look at it, though, I'm lucky right now. Like I, I can kind of pick and choose like where I'm at. And that's good. I'm thankful for that. It may not always be that way. But I know that like where I put my energy, I have to be able to back that energy up. Right. You take on too much, take on too many of those projects, your energy isn't going to be utilized in the right way. You have to have a keen understanding of self. To be able to achieve in this type of world, in my opinion, and a lot of people don't have that. It takes them a long time to gather that. So I think understanding oneself and what they want out of the world and where they're going to bring to it is really pivotal. And a lot of people are afraid to ask them that self. It's it's a scary thing to them. They don't want that answer because it makes them have to deal with shit. You got to figure that thing out, man. No facts. Fact. So the earlier you figure it out, the the better
1: it'll be. No, the better it is for real. (laughs) I mean,
2: like really you just gotta like look at your shadow in the sun one time and then and then go from there. But like
1: the faster that you do that,
2: the faster that you do that, the faster you end up like Brett and like you know what I'm saying, feeling like you're successful because on the other side of like just being able to think about yourself is being able to think about what you could give to the world and that's, what's going to give back to you. So. For some of our last wrapping up questions, mine is, uh, what does different mean to you?
0: Oh man, that's funny. That's a fascinating question. I was actually thinking about that a lot. Uh, What does different mean to me? I'd actually stretch it. What does opinion mean to me? So different to me is having a a reason. It's having an understanding as to why it needs to be different. Why do you you want to not be like what's next to you? Why do you want something different, right? So for me, that breaks down to having an opinion and having a real statement and view and understanding of what something is. Uh, I've always been this mentality of everything that I have is a representation of me and it talks past me. Uh, and meaning that like, you know, you might pass me and you might see what I'm wearing. And you might see what I have on. And it may not mean anything to you, but at a simple moment, it gives you a snap judgment of who I am and what I am to you. Uh, past that, like everything that I selected, not just clothing, but everything in life, I have a strong view and standpoint. An opinion as to why it is important for me. Like all the way down to like the type of salt I buy. Like just the dumbest shit was overthought, but that's different. So important to me, it also separates me from taking things for granted. Like Mm -hmm. I honestly believe that like the worst thing that like the generations before us was just this basically just getting used to being content to what's provided for you and what's around you. Convenience, this idea of convenience where you can take for granted what went into that product and you take for granted so much to the point that you don't even know what's in that product. So you don't know what's going into your body or anything past that. So for me, like being different is understanding that it may not always be the easiest and simplest path, the opinion and the self-awareness of who I am and what I have is going to make me make the choices that are best for where I need to be in life and where it needs to go
1: that one's up there that one's up there Jay with one of my favorite answers to that question that's good I I absolutely love that answer
0: well good I'm glad I'm glad I did not disappoint them
1: <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's awesome well that um that's all of our questions that we had for you today. I feel like we could we could get on a tangent and talk about music for the next three hours or talk about cars or talk about whatever, but um. Maybe, maybe we can do this another time again.
0: let me know um, whenever you want to do it. I'll build you around to a Thursday. I own that schedule, so let's awesome, awesome,
1: but uh, yeah, once again, um thank everybody for listening, Brett. if you could just tell everybody where they
0: can find you if they're curious about you and your work yeah, yeah. um, uh, main place to probably find me on the easiest side of things is, is is my Instagram, which is just at goll g o l l i f f I uh, have you, you know, email contacts on there and everything like that. I'm pretty open to connecting with Dan there anybody. If you ever have any questions, I still get a lot of people that contact me on the weekly, just looking for advice on how to take their design career as a youth and other pieces like that. I always welcome those conversations and will always be down to help. Uh, the other side is like, i do have a website brettgolf.com i'm in the midst of updating all of it on the back side things have slowed down a little bit on that since but we get motivated as we hit the fall here and things get cold outside here in beautiful detroit uh you know but overall it's hit me at golf and uh i'll always respond man may take a time but i'll always respond <laughs> i am for sure so yeah, we'll make sure to leave all the
1: links in the description of this podcast and all of the uh other posts that we do. Uh as you guys know, you could follow us uh at on YouTube at different and on Instagram at different TV to find the clips, shorts and reels from this episode and all our all of our other episodes. You could support this podcast by either leaving a like or review wherever you're listening or by sharing this content with a friend or someone you think would benefit from this information or story. But otherwise, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Brett, for joining us. And we'll see everybody next time. Thank you. All right. Peace.